0: Section 12, Volume 3, of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3, Section 12. When it was the one hundred and forty-fourth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the two kings agreed each to rule one day in turn, then made they feasts, and offered sacrifices of clean beasts, and held high festival. And they abode thus a while, whilst Sultan Kanmakan spent his nights with his cousin Kuzia Fakan and after that period as the two kings sat rejoicing in their condition and in the happy ending of their troubles behold they saw a cloud of dust arise and tower till it walled the world from their eyes and out of it came a merchant shrieking and crying aloud for succour and saying o kings of the age how cometh it that i wound safely in the land of the infidels and i am plundered in your realm though it be the biding place of justice and peace. Then King Rumzan went up to him and questioned him of his case, and he replied, I am a merchant, and like other merchants I have been long absent from my native land, travelling in far countries for some twenty years, and I have a patent of exemption from the city of Damascus, which the viceroy, King Khan, who hath found mercy, wrote me for the cause that I had made him gift of a slave-girl. Now, as I was drawing near my home, having with me an hundred loads of rarities of Hind, when I brought them near Baghdad, which be the seat of your sovereignty, and the place of your peace and your justice, out there came upon me wild Arabs and Kurds, in band gathered together from every land, when they slew my many, and they robbed my money, and this is what they have done me then the trader wept in presence of king rumzan saying that he was an old man and infirm and he bemoaned himself till the king felt for him and had compassion on him and likewise did king kanmakan and they swore that they would sally forth upon the thieves so they set out amid an hundred horse each reckoned worth thousands of men and the merchant went before them to guide them in the right way and they ceased not faring on all that day and the livelong night till dawn break, when they came to a valley abounding in rills and shady with trees here they found the foray dispersed about the valley having divided that merchant's bales among them but there was yet some of the goods left so the hundred horsemen fell upon them and surrounded them on all sides and king Rumzan shouted his war-cry and thus also did his nephew kanmakan and ere long they made prize of them all to the number of near three hundred horsemen banded together of the refuse of rascality they took what they could find of the merchants goods and binding them tightly brought them to baghdad where King Rumzan and his nephew, King Kanmakan, sat down together on one throne, and, passing the prisoners in review before them, questioned them of their case and their chiefs. They said, We have no chiefs but these three men, and it was they who gathered us together from all corners and countries. The kings said to them, Point out to us your headmen, and when this was done, They bade lay hands on the leaders, and set their comrades free, after taking from them all the goods in their possession, and restoring them to the merchant, who examined his stuffs and monies, and found that a fourth of his stock was missing. The kings engaged to make good the whole of his loss, whereupon the trader pulled out two letters, one in the handwriting of Sharkan, and the other in that of Nujat al-Zaman, for this was the very merchant who had bought Nujat-a-Zaman of the Badawi when she was a virgin, and had forwarded her to her brother Khan, and that happened between them which happened. Hereupon King Kanmakan examined the letters, and recognised the handwriting of his uncle Khan, and having heard the history of his aunt Nujat-a-Zaman, He went into her with the second letter written by her to the merchant, who had lost through her his monies. Kanmakan also told her what had befallen the trader from first to last. She knew her own handwriting, and, recognising the merchant, dispatched to him guest gifts, and commended him to her brother and nephew, who ordered him largesse of money and black slaves and pages to wait on him besides which Nujata Zaman sent him an hundred thousand dirhams in cash, and fifty loads of merchandise, and presented to him other rich presents. Then she sent for him, and when he came, she went up to him and saluted him, and told him that she was the daughter of King Omar bin An-Nuqman, and that her brother was King Rumzan, and that King Kalmakan was her nephew. Thereupon the merchant rejoiced with great joy, and congratulated her on her safety and on her reunion with her brother, and kissed her hands, thanking her for her bounty, and said to her, By Allah, a good deed is not lost upon thee. Then she withdrew to her own apartment, and the trader sojourned with them three days, after which he took leave of them, and set out on his return march to the land of Syria thereupon the two kings sent for the three robber chiefs who were of the highwaymen and questioned them of their case when one of them came forward and said know ye that i am a badawi who am wont to lie in wait by the way to snatch small children and virgin girls and sell them to merchants and this i did for many a year until these latter days when satan incited me to join yon two gallows-birds in gathering together all the riff-raff of the arabs and other peoples that we might plunder merchandise and waylay merchants said the kings tell us the rarest of the adventures that have befallen thee in kidnapping children and maidens replied he o kings of the age The strangest thing that happened to me was that one day, two and twenty years ago, I snatched a girl who belonged to the holy city. She was gifted with beauty and comeliness, despite that she was but a servant, and was clad in threadbare clothes, with a piece of camlet cloth on her head. So I entrapped her by guile as she came out of the caravanserai, and at that very hour, mounting her on a camel, made off with her, thinking to carry her to my own people in the desert, and there set her to pasture the camels, and gather their droppings in the valley. But she wept with so sore weeping, that after coming down upon her with blows, I took her and carried her to Damascus City, where a merchant saw her with me, and, being astounded at her beauty, and marvelling at her accomplishments, wished to buy her of me, and kept on bidding me more and more for her, till at last I sold her to him for an hundred thousand dirhams. After selling her I heard her display prodigious eloquence, and it reached me that the merchant clothed her in handsome gear, and presented her to the viceroy of Damascus, who gave him three times the price which he had paid to me, and this price, by my life, was but little for such a damsel. THIS, O KINGS OF THE AGE, IS THE STRANGEST THING THAT EVER befell ME. WHEN THE TWO KINGS HEARD HER STORY, THEY WONDERED THEREAT, BUT WHEN NUJAT AZ-ZAMAN HEARD WHAT THE BADAWI RELATED, THE LIGHT BECAME DARKNESS BEFORE HER FACE, AND SHE CRIED OUT AND SAID TO HER BROTHER RUMZAN, SURE AND SANS DOUBT, THIS IS THE VERY BADAWI WHO KIDNAPPED ME IN THE HOLY CITY JERUSALEM. Then she told them all that she had endured from him in her strangerhood, of hardship, blows, hunger, humiliation, contempt, adding, And now it is lawful for me to slay him. So saying, she seized a sword, and made at him to smite him, and, behold, he cried out, and said, O kings of the age, suffer her not to slay me, till I have told you the rare adventures that have betided me. And her nephew, Kanmakan, said to her, o my aunt let him tell us his tale and after that do with him as thou wilt so she held her hand and the king said to him now let us hear thy history quoth he o kings of the age if i tell you a rare tale will ye pardon me yes answered they then the badawi robber chief began the tale of hamad the badawi and he said know ye that a short while ago i was sore wakeful one night and thought the morn would never dawn so as soon as it was break of day i rose without stay or delay and slinging over my shoulder my sword mounted horse and set my lance in rest then i rode out to sport and hunt and as i went along a company of men accosted me and asked me whither i was bound i told them and they said "'we will keep thee company.' "'So we all fared on together, "'and whilst we were faring, "'lo, and behold, up started an ostrich, "'and we gave her chase. "'But she escaped our pursuit, "'and spreading wings ceased not to fly before us, "'and we following by sight, "'till she lost us in a desert "'wherein there was neither grass nor water, "'nor heard we aught therein "'save hiss of snake and wail of gin "'and howl of roll and when we reached that place the ostrich disappeared nor could we tell whether she had flown up into the sky or into the ground had gone down then we turned our horses heads and thought to return but found that to retrace our steps at that time of burning heat would be tiresome and dangerous for the sultry air was grievous to us so that we thirsted with sore thirst and our steeds stood still we made sure of death But while we were in this case we suddenly espied from afar a spacious mead where gazelles were frisking. Therein was a tent pitched, and by the tent side a horse tethered, and a spear was planted with head glittering in the sun. Upon this our hearts revived after we had despaired, and we turned our horses' heads towards that tent, making for the meadow and the water which irrigated it, and all my comrades fared for it and i at their head and we ceased not faring till we reached the mead then we alighted at the spring and watered our beasts but i was seized with a fever of foolish curiosity and went up to the door of that tent wherein i saw a young man without hair on his cheeks who fellowed the new moon and on his right hand was a slender wasted maid as she were a willow wand No sooner did I set my eyes on her than love got hold of my heart, and I saluted the youth, who returned my greeting. Then said I, O my brother, tell me who thou art, and what to thee is this damsel sitting by thy side? Thereupon the youth bent his head groundwards a while, then raised it, and replied, Tell me first who thou art, and what are these horsemen with thee? Answered I, I am Hamad, son of al-Fazari, the renowned knight who is reckoned among the arabs as five hundred horse we went forth from our place this morning to sport and chase and were overcome by thirst so i came to the door of this tent thinking haply to get of thee a draught of water when he heard these my words he turned to the fair maiden and said bring this man water and what food there is ready so she arose trailing her skirts whilst the golden bangles tinkled on her ankles and her feet stumbled in her long locks and she disappeared for a little while presently she returned bearing in her right hand a silver vessel full of cold water and in her left hand a bowl brimming with milk and dates together with some flesh of wild cattle but i could take of her nor meat nor drink for the excess of my passion and i applied to her these two couplets saying it was as though the sable dye upon her palms were raven perching on a swathe of freshest snow thou seest sun and moon conjoined in her face while sun fear dimmed and moon fright pallid show after i had eaten and drunk i said to the youth know thou o chief of the arabs that i have told thee in all truth who and what i am and now i would fain have thee do the like by me and tell me the truth of thy case replied the young man as for this damsel she is my sister quoth i it is my desire that thou give me her to wife of thy free will else i will slay thee and take her by force upon this he bowed his heads groundwards awhile then he raised his eyes to me and answered thou sayest sooth in avouching thyself a renowned knight and famed in fight and verily thou art the lion of the desert but if ye all attack me treacherously and slay me in your wrath and take my sister by force it will be a stain upon your honour an you be as ye aver cavaliers who are counted among the champions and reck not the shock of foray and fray Give me a little time to don my armour, and sling on my sword, And set Lance in rest, and mount war-steed. Then will we go forth into the field of fight, I and you, And if I conquer you, I will kill you to the last man. But if you overcome me, and slay me, this damsel, my sister, is yours. Hearing such words, I replied, This is only just, and we oppose it not. Then I turned back my horse's head, my love for the damsel waxed hotter and hotter and returned to my companions to whom i set forth her beauty and loveliness as also the comeliness of the young man who was with her together with his valour and strength of soul and how he had avouched himself a match for a thousand horse moreover i described to my company the tent and all the riches and rarities therein and said to them Know ye that this youth would not have cut himself off from society and have taken up his abode alone in this place were he not a man of great prowess. So I propose that whoso slayeth the younker shall take his sister. And they said, This contenteth us. Then my company armed themselves and mounting rode to the tent, where we found that the young man had donned his gear and backed his steed, but his sister ran up to him. Her veil being drenched with tears, and took hold of his stirrup and cried out, saying, "Alas and woe, worth the day!" In her fear for her brother, and recited these couplets: "To Allah will I make my moan of travail and of woe. Maybe illa of ash will smite their faces with affright. Fain would they slay thee, brother mine, with purpose felon fell." be no cause of vengeance was nor fault forewent the fight yet for a rider art thou known to those who back the steed and twixt the east and west of knights thou art the prowess knight thy sister's honour thou shalt guard though little might be hers for that her brother and for thee she sueth allah's might then let not enemy possess my soul nor thrall my frame and work on me their will and treat thy sister with despite i'll ne'er abide by allah's truth in any land or home where thou art not though dight it be with joyance and delight for love and yearning after thee myself i fain will slay and in the gloomy darksome tomb spread bed upon the clay but when her brother heard her verse he wept with sore weeping and turned his horse's head towards his sister and made this answer to her poetry stand by and see the daring-do which i to-day will show when meet we and i deal them blows that rend and cleave and split In though rush out to seek about the lion of the war the stoutest hearted brave of all and eke the best in wit to him, I'll deal without delay a Sa'alabian blow, and die my cane spears joint in blood by wound of foe bespit if all I beat not off from thee or sister, may this frame be slain and cast my corpse to birds, for so it would be fit. yes, for thy dearest sake, I'll strike my blows with might and main, and when we're gone, shall this event in many a book be writ and when he had ended his verse he said o my sister give ear to what i shall enjoin on thee whereto she replied hearkening and obedience quoth he if i fall let none possess thy person and thereupon she buffeted her face and said allah forbid o my brother that i should see thee laid low and yield myself to the foe with this the youth put out his hand to her and withdrew her veil from her face whereupon it shone forth, as the sun shineth out from the white clouds. Then he kissed her between the eyes, and bade her farewell, after which he turned to us, and said, Holla, knights! Come ye as guests, or crave ye cuts and thrusts. If ye come to us as your hosts, rejoice ye in the guest right. and if ye covet the shining moon, come ye out against me night by night into this plain and place of fight thereupon rushed out to him a doughty rider and the young man said to him tell me thy name and thy father's name for i am under an oath not to slay any whose name tallies with mine and whose father's name is that of my father and if this be the case with thee i will give thee up the maid quoth the horseman my name is bilal and the young man answered him saying Thou liest when speaking of benefits while thou comest to front with thine evilest will, and of prowess that prow to my words give ear I'm he who makes champions in battlefield real, with keen blade like the horn of the cuspid moon, so where thrust thee shall drill through the duress hill. Then they charged down, each at each, And the youth thrust his adversary in the breast, So that the lance-head issued from his back. With tints another came out, and the youth cried, "Ho, oh, thou hound, who art rotten with foulness in grain! What high meed is there easy for warrior to gain? Tis none save the lion of strain purest pure, Who uncareth for life in the battle plain. Nor was it long before the youth left him drowned in his blood, And cried out, Who will come forth to me? So a third horseman rushed out upon the youth, And began saying, To thee come I forth with my heart aflame, And summon my friends and my comrades by name, When thou slewest the chief of the Arabs this day, This day thou remainest the pledge of my claim now when the youth heard this he answered him in these words thou liest o foulest of satans that are and with easings calumnious thou comest to war this day thou shalt fall by a death-dealing point where the lances lunge and the scimitars jar then he so foined him in the breast that the spear-point issued from his back and he cried out saying or will none come out So a fourth fared forwards, and the youth asked him his name, and he answered, My name is Hilal, the new moon. And the youth began repeating, Thou hast failed who would sink me in ruined sea, Thou who camest in malice with perfidy, I whose verses hast heard from the mouth of me, Will ravish thy soul, though unknown to thee. Then they drove at each other, and delivered two cuts, but the youth's stroke devanced that of the rider his adversary, and slew him, and thus he went on to kill all who sallied out against him. Now when I saw my comrade slain, I said to myself, If I go down to fight with him, I shall not be able to prevail against him, and if I flee, I shall become a byword of shame among the Arabs but the youth gave me no time to think, for he ran at me, and dragged me from my saddle, and hurled me to the ground. I fainted at the fall, and he raised his sword, designing to cut off my head, but I clung to his skirts, and he lifted me in his hand as though I were a sparrow. When the maiden saw this, she rejoiced in her brother's prowess, and coming up to him, kissed him between the eyes. Then he delivered me to her, saying, take him and look to him and entreat him hospitably for he is come under our rule so she took hold of the collar of my hauberk and led me away by it as one would lead a dog then she did off her brother's coat of mail and clad him in a robe and set for him a stool of ivory on which he sat down and she said to him allah whiten thy honour and prevent from thee the shifts of fortune and he answered her with these couplets my sister said as saw she how i stood in fight when sun-rays lit my knightlyhood allah sanely, thee for a brave of braves to whom in vale bow lions Howso would quoth i go ask the champions of my case when feared the lords of war my warrior mood my name is famed for fortune and for force and soared my spirit to such altitude. O thou, Hamad, a lion hast upstirred, shall show thee speedy death like viper brood. Now, when I heard his verse, I was perplexed as to my case, and considering my condition and how I was become a captive, I was lowered in my own esteem. Then I looked at the damsel, his sister, and seeing her beauty, I said to myself, tis she who caused all this trouble and i fell a-marvelling at her loveliness till the tears streamed from my eyes and i recited these couplets dear friend i leave thy loud reproach and blame such blame but irks me yet may not alarm i'm clean distraught for one whom saw i not without her winning me by winsome charm yestreen her brother crossed me in her love A brave, stout-hearted, and right long of arm. Then the maiden set food before her brother, and he bade me eat with him, whereat I rejoiced, and felt assured that I should not be slain. And when he had ended eating, she brought him a flagon of pure wine, and he applied him to it, till the fumes of the drink mounted to his head, and his face flushed red. Then he turned to me and said, Woe to thee, O Hamad! Dost thou know me or not? replied i by thy life i am rich in naught save ignorance quoth he o hamad i am abad bin tamim bin salaba and indeed allah giveth thee thy liberty and leadeth thee to a happy bride and spareth thee confusion then he drank to my long life and gave me a cup of wine and i drank it off and presently he filled me a second and a third and a fourth and i drained them all while he made merry with me, and swore me never to betray him. So I swear to him one thousand five hundred oaths, that I would never deal perfidiously with him at any time, but that I would be a friend and a helper to him. Thereupon he bade his sister bring me ten suits of silk, so she brought them and laid them on my person, and this dress I have on my body is one of them moreover he made bring one of the best of his she dromedaries carrying stuffs and provont he bade her also bring a sorrel horse and when they were brought he gave the whole of them to me i abode with them three days eating and drinking and what he gave me of gifts is with me to this present at the end of the three days he said to me o hamad o my brother i would sleep a while and take my rest and verily i trust my life to thee but if thou see horsemen making hither fear not for know that they are of the banu sa'laba seeking to wage war on me then he laid his sword under his head pillow and slept and when he was drowned in slumber iblis tempted me to slay him so i arose in haste and drawing the sword from under his head dealt him a blow that made his head fall from his body but his sister knew what i had done and rushing out from within the tent, threw herself on his corpse, rending her raiment, and repeating these couplets. To kith and kin bear thou sad tidings of our plight, from doom wise decreed shall none of men take flight. Lo, art thou laid, O brother, strewn upon the stones, with face that mirrors moon, when shining brightest bright, good sooth it is a day accursed thy slaughter day shivering thy spear that won the day in many a fight now thou be slain no rider shall delight in steed nor man-child shall the breeding woman bring to light this morn hamad uprose and foully murthered thee falsing his oath and troth with foulest perjury When she had ended her verse, she said to me, O thou of accursed forefathers! Wherefore didst thou play my brother false, and slay him when he purposed returning thee to thy native land with provisions? And it was his intent also to marry thee to me at the first of the month. Then she drew a sword she had with her, and planting the hilt in the earth with the point set to her breast, she bent over it, and threw herself thereon, till the blade issued from her back, and she fell to the ground, dead. I mourned for her, and wept, and repented, when repentance availed me naught. Then I rose in haste, and went to the tent, and taking whatever was light of load, and weighty of worth, went my way. But in my haste and horror, I took no heed of my dead comrades, nor did I bury the maiden and the youth. And this my tale is still more wondrous than the story of the serving girl I kidnapped from the holy city Jerusalem. But when Nujat al-Zaman heard these words from the Badawi, the light was changed in her eyes to night. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day, and ceased to say her permitted say. End of section 12 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3.